Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Phil Salter. Hello, hello. And I'm joined by you. Uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> Who are you? I should have said that at the start. Yes, my name's should. Joe Sage and I'm a mix engineer and producer. Ah. More importantly, how are you doing, Phil? I'm doing very, very well. Um, still loving life in lockdown um it's a glorious day here and i'm sat inside doing a podcast i was gonna say you're very well lit <laughs> it's the the sun it's it's radiating upon me I'd, I'd really like to be walking right now as my wife is but there we are how are you joe <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good in a update from last week where i got past scones um yesterday i received delivery of sausage rolls from over the wall from my neighbor and they were absolutely delicious from the same neighbor from the same neighbour, yeah. Oh, homemade sausage rolls. Oh, homemade sausage rolls, yeah. Oh. They were still hot as well. Oh, I'm well jealous. It was it was so good. In a world without Greg's, it was a perfect substitute. My next door neighbour's child decided to have a party, which is not very uh, kosher nowadays. Yeah, less said about that, the better, I think. Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> Speak, speaking of lockdown, what's going to be the topic for today? Well... Um, this week, we thought we would talk about doing some recording when you are stuck indoors, um, when maybe you don't have much of a job at the moment, um, a lot of people don't, and you've got a lot of time. So you may as well do something productive with your time, and recording is a productive thing to do. So we're going to chat about kind of how you might go about that. Yeah. So I think the plan is we're going to split this up into two episodes. So one is the actual making of the song. And then the second episode would be how we'd release it, how we'd go mm. about marketing it. And I think in the past, we've kind of been, uh, I don't want to say vague, but we've kind of like broad brushstrokes over a lot of the techniques, whereas we're going to place ourselves in the shoes of the artist and go for, you know, this is what we would do in these situations and kind of get into the nitty gritty of it a little bit. Um, it's also worth saying as well that these techniques aren't specific to lockdown. If you're listening to this in a year's time, you go, oh, it doesn't apply to me. No, these are techniques that can be used forever and on, but we're just taking the example of if we can't get access to commercial studios, this is what we do. Indeed so. So, Joe, mm -hmm. how might you go about if you're in a say an indie indie band you're always mm -hmm. an indie band in these examples what, <laughs> what what would you what would you do how do you start so i think the big challenge that a lot of people are facing especially if you're in an acoustic band and i say that as in you play acoustic instruments whether that be electric guitar or drums or whatever is drums um mm -hmm. that is mostly because a it's a great way to annoy your neighbors with it being incredibly loud your house might not, might not be a sympathetic environment for recording drums in. There is a whole liturgy of challenges involved in recording drums or just getting drums on your song in any, any, any shape or form. It's the hardest thing to record, isn't it? The hardest single part of a kind of standard band. Yeah, it presents a challenge in recording studios sometimes, never mind in your own home studio. Not to mention as well, it's an expensive thing to record, as well as, you know, the expense of actually having the drums themselves. You've got to kind of get into the weeds of 
how many mics are you going to use? If there's four toms, then, you know, you're going to need extra mics. And then that means you're going to need a big enough interface to do it. And it all kind of snowballs into it. I was chatting with someone who said they wanted to start doing their own drum YouTube channel. They were in a band and they were like, oh, I want to start doing covers and uploading stuff. And they were like, what's the most basic setup that I can record stuff in? And it's a lot. When you start getting, it's even things like stands to get a good pair of overhead stands. It's, it's quite expensive unless you enjoy the calamity of a stand falling on you halfway through yeah. a take. Um, Please it, never cheap out in a mic stand. No. Never, ever, ever. No. So what are some of the solutions that you'd go for, Phil? Well, there's two ways that I'm going to go about this. Um, and it depends on the situation you're in. So this is sort of a cheat because I'm sort of presenting a another option so for a lot of the bands that i work with they're sort of in the 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 rock and metal um wheelhouse which is super broad but there we are and for a lot of musicians in that area especially when they're demoing but sometimes when they are recording as well using samples and using a sample drum kit is not out of the question for a lot of people so if you are um i don't know the guitarist in your band and your drummer lives I was going to say far away, but at the moment within the UK, you can't really see anyone. So um, recording your drummer is not going to happen right now. That That's sort of the, the fact of things. So you have two options. You can use um, sample drum kits and try and build a drum kit sound and maybe bounce it between yourself and your drummer to try and get something that sounds realistic because um, that is part of the challenge of programming drums, getting something that sounds real. Um, or you can go, I'm going to scrap my style of music kind of completely and go for what, I don't know, like a lockdown version of some of your music. So um, instead of going record, I can record a full drum kit. I can go, I've got one microphone here or a couple of microphones and I'm going to go around my house and find out if what when I hit it, does it make a good sound? Can I make a realistic or an interesting kick drum sound? And can I make an interesting or realistic, depending on what you're going for, snare drum kind of sound? And if you go around sampling these things, you could actually build up a really interesting video as well, let alone um, a song. That's a very different approach. That's such a cool idea. That's such a cool idea. I didn't think of that at all. There was something interesting you said there about changing your sound entirely. I think a lot of people will kind of be listening to this and go, well, you know, our last three singles were recorded in a studio and through a Neve desk with a producer and blah, blah, blah. And I admit, yeah, this, this isn't ideal. Like in an ideal situation, everyone would be in studios and we'd all be making music with great equipment, great people and in great environments. But at the moment, releasing something is better than releasing absolutely nothing. Hmm. And I say that for a few reasons, one of which is that in terms of algorithm, if you think that you can kind of just have a six-month hiatus where you don't post anything, and then as soon as, you know, things become available, uh, you can just post and then the algorithm will treat you the same way and you'll have the same reach without paying, you're, you're mad, basically. You need to um, have, like, consistent output and putting out something in the interim and kind of keeping things ticking over is a really great way of doing that. Not to mention as well, there's another uh, aspect of market saturation. So over the next few weeks, I can kind of predict, and I mean, we're recording this now towards the end of April, that releases are going to dip 
purely because over the last few weeks, the last previous weeks, we've had bands that say recorded in March and February that are releasing stuff, mm. but they've all released now. And there's going to be this gap where there's not many people who are releasing stuff. And I feel like if you can capitalize on that and also avoid a situation where say in September, October, where the world and its wife is going to start releasing stuff. Yeah. So yeah, having that, having something to release in the interim is really key to kind of building that snowball effect that a lot of mm. music careers rely upon. I think the other thing to really bear in mind as well is at the moment, loads of people are spending so much more time on social media because they have more time. And you're, as a band, you've got one or two responses. You can either go, right, we're going to take full advantage of this, hopefully an increased audience right now, and go for it and make some content of varying types. Or you can do what I've seen, frankly, some bands do, which is sort of going, well, there's not much to do, so I'm not going to bother. Um, and as Joe says, you're going to really struggle to kind of pick things back up again. Um, I think the other thing to think about when thinking about the idea of recording in general when you're at home in lockdown is people are i think more forgiving um at the moment of quality now you've got to hear me right and say this i'm not saying release something bad but i've seen several several of my favorite tv shows that are carrying on um that are recorded sort of week to week that people are doing at home and they don't look mm. as good as they do in the studio but people are forgiving of that and if you can use that and harness that into something interesting say with my idea of doing something a bit more stripped back a bit different then you're going to attract hopefully maybe something of a bit of a different audience that are going to kind of bolster your your movement your thing whatever you're trying to build yeah well i've been doing a lot of band coaching over the last two weeks kind of just helping bands think of a strategy for this time and the key thing that keeps on coming up is there is no such thing as a bad idea at the moment so if you were to say do something entirely different, maybe change your production style, do whatever, maybe it's something you've been thinking about doing, but you're kind of worried like, oh, well, it's not really in keeping with this, that and the other. If it doesn't do well, then you go, oh, well, it was COVID-19 or lockdown's fault. Like, that's not, that's not our problem. And then if it does really, really well, you can then turn around and go, well, yeah, it was our intention. We've been planning this for like eight months anyway. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Smooth. There's no such thing as a bad idea. Anyway. Getting back to the whole drums thing. Yes. We went massively off piece there. Um, so as Phil mentioned, program drums, uh, great places to start are uh, Slate. Mm -hmm. Do some fantastic drum stuff, especially if you're kind of into the heavier uh, heavier kind of genres. Uh, Superior Drummer is one I've been using for donkey's years. Um, there's even Logic's inbuilt drummer. is pretty good. I've been really impressed. I personally am not a Logic user. And then when I get sent uh, program drums, I always ask them like, oh, is this Slate or um, Superior? And they go, no, it's Logics. I've, I've been mm. genuinely really impressed. Um, not to mention, I think Logic is currently free for 90 days. So there's no excuse there. You get the door and all your stuff. Um, there's an excuse if you don't have a Mac. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but I'm sure that, I'm sure there's plenty of other, other options. I feel like the BBC now. Um <laughs> If you do still want uh, acoustic drums, there are two things to recommend. If you're going to record yourself, I have a free drum guide. There's no ifs or buts. It's totally free. Drop me an email and I will send you a guide with uh, what mics I like to use, what positions, what um, 
what angles, loads of diagrams from all sessions I've done before with loads of different types of sounds. And if you have any specific questions, you can always find me an email back and I'll help you. The other one as well is session remote drums. Ooh. So that is where you can go on places like Fiverr or just type it into Google and you can get drummers that played on amazing records to play on yours. Mm. Obviously, there's a financial aspect to it, but if finances aren't your problem and the you know social restrictions of lockdown are, then getting a session drummer to play on your tracks is a really, really good solution. And it will probably sound way better than anything you could program yourself. Unless oh, you are an amazing program drum maker. There are some. Yeah, there's there's certain genres, I think, that lend to program drums. Uh, I think especially towards the heavier section. Yes. I, I think, agree. but if you're going for like that indie rock kind of sound, especially more folkish or anything, mm. that, yeah, anything that doesn't sound as aggressive, I think using a session drummer is a, is a really cool thing. Not to oh, mention a lot of them are incredible musicians. So they all say, oh, you know, well, uh, I know you wanted me to do this, but I've also tried this on this section. Maybe try lifting the bridge to this, that and the other. Like their input is really, really valuable. Mm. So, we've sort of covered drums, I guess, mm -hmm. in quite a broad aspect. Um, I mean, I, I guess the next instrument would be bass guitar. It's the kind of next natural choice. That's the one I've got. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, to be honest, I think this is really the most simple. We're probably um, going to agree on what to do here. Plug it into your interface. Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um. There are like more options for, you know, extra credit. So you can use a pedal amp sim. Mm. I've been using um, my Tech 21 Bass Sans amp for years. I love it. It's kind of like an SVT-ish thing. Everyone loves um, that thing. Yeah. And um, you could use an amp sim plugin. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you've got uh, Apollo, like I think you get the Ampeg ones free. Um, but there's lo there's loads of them on the market. I'm sure there's lo tons of free ones as well. There are. There are tons and tons to use them. Uh, other option as well. So like with me being a mix engineer, like when you finish recording stuff and you send it off to someone to mix, the bass amp tends to be the easiest one to sort. So mm. if, you know, because I run all Universal Audio stuff, if you ask me, it's like, hey, yeah, we've got a DI. We couldn't really get an amp sound. Could you just help us out with that? Majority of mix engineers will be totally fine to yeah. do that for you and just throw it in. And it will it will sound dreamy, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you'll be well happy. Um, yeah, I think bass is genuinely is as easy as that. You you can if you have a bass amp and you really want to, you can try and complicate it. But the more you complicate your recording, the more potential it has for going wrong. I'm not mm -hmm. saying you will do it wrong, but the more potential there is for things to not quite sound as good as you hoped. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And it's also a very good way to annoy your neighbours. It is also that. I'd say bass amp is up there with drums. <laughs> uh, cool. So I've got the next one down is recording guitars. Mm -hmm. um, well, my automatic thing when someone says guitar is I think electric guitar rather than acoustic. That's just mm -hmm. my direct first thought. Um, you, there's a couple of ways to go. You can go exactly the same way as a bass, where you just plug into your interface. That's probably the easiest way, especially if you're in a flat or something where you can't make much noise. Um, and then you can get some kind of amp, 
simulator plugin to do the job for you that kind of thing again there are loads and loads and loads of those available everywhere just look around the internet you'll find them um if you have a uh, low powered guitar amp so something a bit quieter then recording that with a microphone um, i'm holding by chance an sm57 that is a great choice for guitar but a lot of um dynamic mics will do the job for you frankly um so yeah a low powered guitar amp will do the job as well you'll be able to do that without really annoying anybody um if you've got something a bit louder like a 50 or 100 watt amp you're probably going to struggle to crank it up to where you want to um so there are options you could use a load box to kind of plug it in direct and get some of that sound the amp sound that you're looking for um but that gets a bit more complicated again um and if you don't have one then you don't necessarily have to rush out to buy one to get a good sound yeah so similar to what you were saying there there's again massive shout out to universal audio i am the biggest ua fanboy going that they have um their unison uh plugins so it means you can kind of listen back in um in real time with super low latency their their emulations they have like the um I think it's the Engels, Marshall classic ones, classic Fender amps. Your whole range is covered. It, yeah, it's absolutely stunning. So as Phil was mentioning before, like there's uh, there's the amp head and load box combinations. So there's the two notes of the aux box. If you've got something that requires to be extremely loud, this is a great option. Um, and it's not something that I don't think you will regret getting. Hmm. It's something that will be a great investment for the future um and i think i know phil said it's complicated but realistically it's plugging your guitar into an amp into the oxbox and then xlr into your interface it's a lot easier than miking and you'll get definitely get a lot better results um than if you were to try and say mic for the first time i think um, what i meant to say is it could be a bit more of a, an investment cost yeah no i totally agree yeah. with that i think like we've said before there's a big aspect of not necessarily budget here but in terms of ability to record mm. there will be a lot of people who were planning to do recordings during this time and they had the budgets to go into studios and that just isn't an option so maybe they might want to record something now rather than in the future yep. other options are um people who reamp so yes there will true. be very 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 specific people who will their entire job is to reamp so you send them files, they don't do mixing, they don't do production, but they will have a wall of every amp imaginable with every cab imaginable. And they will just kind of give you the sound that you want. It's a really great option and you'll come back with incredible tones. Another option as well is uh, session guitarists, similar to drums, just go on fiverr go on google you can get some amazing players to play on your songs especially if you're you know an acoustic singer songwriter but you're wanting some electric guitar production not only will you get a great player and a great tone i imagine they'll come up with loads of different parts it's the whole package so what about acoustic guitars joe that's a whole different ball game to an electric yeah i think a lot of it has to do with similar to drums really with it being a very acoustic instrument, mm. uh, the actual sound of it in the room. Yep. So a lot of it will be making sure your guitar's in really good nick, uh, making sure it's in tune, making sure it's got uh, fresh strings. 
But then in saying that, once you've got that right, it's probably one of the easier ones to record. So you can pretty much throw up any mic around about the 12th fret mm. and you'll get a good sound. And it's as easy as uh, if you need it brighter, move it away from the sound hole. If you need it darker, move it towards. And it's just a case of tailoring to your own choice, really. And Joe is right. Any, literally any mic um, can work. Um, I've heard ribbons condensers both large and small and um, dynamic mics all do the job um there's always some kind of inbuilt prejudice in my head where it says i i worry i think a dynamic mic can't do that but they really can they really can get you a good acoustic guitar sound if you position them right oh an sm7b on an acoustic guitar you love an sm7b i love an sm7b i take it back i'm not a ua fanboy and i'm an sm7b fanboy (laughs) 100 percent Cool. So I think the next big one is vocals. Well, I think vocals could be a bit more complex. It depends on where you're recording. So if you are in, say, your bathroom, <laughs> to take a really extreme example, I wouldn't record vocals in a bathroom if you could help it. They're usually ultra reflective. You can hear the sound bouncing around the room and you're going to get lots of kind of weird reflections coming into your microphone and it's not going to help you at all. Um, You're going to have a bad time and it's going to be a bad recording. Um, Any condenser or dynamic microphone you have will probably do a good job. I'm I'm going to leave it sort of that general. Um, The SM7B, if you have one, is probably a good shout because so many vocalists just work on an SM7B. I know that. But... yeah. If you have a condensed microphone or whatever, that is going to do a good job. Now, the the challenge you have is um, restricting the sound that comes into the microphone. So if you're in a very kind of untreated room that sounds quite ambient um, and kind of where the sound's bouncing around, you want to try and control the sound somewhat. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You can use sheets um, and things like that. If you kind of drape them on like clothes horses and things like that, that can help the sound. Um, I've seen people use duvets if you just kind of um, hang them up next to a wall. I've even seen people use mattresses. <laughs> um, they all absorb the sound. And that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for, ultimately, if you're recording at home, probably quite a dry sound which on its own sounds quite boring but it's gonna help contribute to a great mix in the song yeah i agree with that there have been more than one occasion when i've mixed a vocal that was done with just an sm7b like holding it in their hand and they just got under their duvet and they just (laughs) sang it that way like you can just make it as easy as that it's quite it's quite an easy subject to overthink, especially if you start mm. looking on forums and people start saying, well, you need a diffuser for this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it can just be a case of get a, you know, clothes horse and put uh, like two duvets on it yeah. and then kind of just, you know, surround yourself with that and make yourself a little vocal booth. Um, the important thing is that you do it really instead of just overthinking it. Yes. And the other, the other one as well is just... Uh, with, which tends to be an issue with vocals is just make sure you don't uh, clip just mm. give yourself plenty of headroom even if you think there is enough give yourself a little bit more because yes. I promise you as you warm up you'll generally get a little bit louder um, and similar to all my advice with other ones is you can get a session singer to, mm. especially to do backing vocals if you're a male singer and you're looking for like someone to do female backing vocals there are people out there who will do like full vocal production so you don't even have to tell them the parts they'll kind of like come up with stuff it all depends on you know if you 
if you want full control of it or um or you're kind of open to collaboration mm. there's there's loads of options it's, it's literally a google away and if you're um we may come on to this a bit later i don't know but if you're working with a mixing engineer someone who's going to help you put it all together into a a kind of final stereo track for you um then talk to them ahead of time especially me or joe we'll, we are more than happy to talk to you to maybe listen to some samples if you're going oh i don't know if this vocal is going to work i don't know if i've i don't know put a duvet over head in the wrong way um we will listen to it and give you some honest feedback about what you're doing yeah well that, that's the whole reason the drum guide exists is mm. because i've worked so many times with bands who've wanted to record their own stuff and it just got to the point where instead of me like having to individually explain it i just kind of documented all the advice that i've given before and put it into a pdf uh getting the pardon the pun sage advice of um of your mix engineer is is priceless just mm. because their experience especially if you're doing it the first time round is is really really useful and not only will it save you time it will stop you from going crazy as well yeah i don't know if this is an area you want to cover but what about extra sounds like if you want in your production to have say like i don't know a grand piano kind of thing or some mm. strings or things like that what what would you do if you were at home so there are a few options you can either kind of look into it yourself especially if you want to go down the vsts and virtual instrument routes does anyone call them vsts anymore what's that old hat <laughs> i don't know i think everyone calls them virtual instruments yeah god i'm getting old now well, anyway um <laughs> so yeah you can go into that uh yourself if you feel comfortable doing that there's everything from you know the free stuff you get to like the vienna uh orchestral samples that are insane and have an insane price tag as well they do they um, do <laughs> similar to uh other stuff we said before there's loads of people you can outsource to so again if you've kind of come up with the midi but you're looking for say a specific sound of like a juno or um something else like that in fact i've got a good friend who works for a company um they're called Soundgas. i'm pretty sure you should be able to find them online and part of their thing they specialize in is you send them material and they will put it through like all the vintage synths and vintage gear and send it back to you. I'm pretty sure as well they stream it online as far as I'm aware at the time of recording. Um, so you can kind of like jump on a call with them and you can ask them to change things and maybe swap things out. Um, it's They're definitely worth looking up for yourself if that's something that interests you. But they've worked on all kinds for like composers who do stuff for like Netflix and big Hollywood films there. And they're a really cool, cool bunch as well. We will put a link in the show notes. There will be mm -hmm. one down there when we've made sure we've got the right link. Yeah. Um, okay, right. I've got a question. I feel that like we've covered everything recording-wise. So. so, Phil, yeah. in a situation where we've recorded everything, mm -hmm. what now? What now? Well, I mean, it depends. You've got to kind of have a very clear idea of um, the kind of sound that you're going for. So you want to make sure that you've got everything down, as it were. So you want to kind of listen to it and go, is there something that should be added or not? Um, that That's just an extra kind of step to consider, I guess. But when you've done that, you've got realistically two major options. Um, you could get someone to mix it for you, such as myself or Joe, or mix it yourself. 
that those those putting cards on the table are the two major options about what you could do then. Mm. I obviously am biased. Same here. But I'm going to say get someone to mix your record who knows what they're doing. Purely because if you've invested all this time and all this money, especially if you know you're talking about like session drummers, maybe you've bought new mics, maybe you've kind of, even in terms of how much time and effort, if you, you know, value your time, don't skimp on the last stage of it. Mm. I think if you were to book an expensive studio, you'd want the engineer to go with it as well. You'd want someone who knows what they're doing. The same kind of goes for like making music is you still want someone who knows what they're doing at the end. You wouldn't just kind of go, oh, yeah, well, we'll twiddle knobs and just hope for the best. <laughs> it's Yeah, I'm biased on it. But but if you want it to be the best it can be, hire, get someone to mix it. Not to mention there's there's all the added bonuses of they can help you out with you know, pointing you to freelancers that occasionally, you know, can get sneaky discounts if you've been referred to by a certain person, whether that be session drummers, reamping people. Uh, as well as that, you've kind of got the whole aspect of they can help you out with uh, picking out gear, helping with song arrangements. There's there's so much stuff that we could go on about it for ages. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say it. Get someone else <laughs> to mix it. I mean, I'm... I'm in the same position as Joe. Like I, I agree. Getting someone who knows what they're doing um, with sound to get it uh, that that kind of final step of mixing um, is really important. I think you've got to think about it this way: if you have, say, it's a brand new piece of music rather than a cover or something you've done before, uh, you've written it and you spent time honing it, and then you've recorded it, and that probably will take longer than you imagine. By the time you've done all that, and by the time you've kind of got everything down and ready chances are you might be sick of it <laughs> but chances also are that you've kind of lost your perspective um and what a mixing engineer can bring to a project like that is a kind of brand new perspective they've never heard the whole thing before they've never heard maybe the arrangement before and they can kind of come to it in that fresh way and go right here's what needs to be done and i think that is that is really important as well yeah i would say the overriding message is don't have any regrets about it mm. Don't go and spend all this time and energy, and it might have been a song that you've written, say, two and a half years ago, and you've been sitting on it. It's about something that's really emotional. And then for you to listen back and in a year's time, just go, oh, God, it sounds really bad. And you go, you know, you've, you've got a top session player on it, and it's one of the best songs you've written, and everyone tells you at live shows it's one of the best songs, but the mix sounds dreadful. Mm. I, just don't listen back and cringe to it. Have no regrets. Hashtag no regrets. <laughs> Have you seen that guy with the tattoo? He's like, uh, is it no no regrets? <laughs> I have. Awkward. It's a cracker. So that was a roundup of how Joe and I might approach uh, recording and making a song at home um, in the kind of current climate. Uh, there's lots and lots of advice. I think it's probably too much for me to sum up in a really trite way. Um, other than to say this is part one of two. So next week we're going to cover the idea of releasing and kind of promoting this music in lockdown. How do you do it? What's the best ways to do it? That kind of thing. Um, and I think that's going to be a really valuable part as well because there's no point in spending loads of time and effort and maybe even money making and releasing a track only for nobody to hear it because you're not quite sure how to kind of push it out and let people hear it. So that'll be next week. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't sum it up better myself. So should we do Artist of the Week? Yeah. 
So this week's uh, band is a band called Hush Tones. They're from Liverpool. You can find them on Facebook with at Hushtones Music and on Instagram, Hushtone underscore Liverpool. And this is their single, The Birds Are Coming. So until next time, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.